0: The other side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Hello, world. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of The Other Side Podcast. I'm Scott Kirk here with Lucas Sullivan. And today we'll be talking to Amy DeAndre. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Amy's brother, Todd, Michael DeAndre, died by suicide earlier this year. So Yeah, and we Scott and I wanted
1: to do something to kind of address or touch on mental health and suicide prevention. And we were trying to figure out a way to... To bring that story, a real story, an emotional story to people that we know will make a difference. So that's why Amy's here. And we really appreciate it. We really do.
2: Yeah, I'm glad to be here.
1: So it's going to kind of strap in. It's going to be emotional, but it's going to be by the time you're done listening to this, it'll be something that there's another side to it. You know, that's nice, like the other side. I see.
0: Yeah, yeah, you see that.
1: Working your magic. But I mean, so we'll, you know, this is going to be a journey. But if you know someone or if you yourself are going through this, you'll find some stuff in here that...
0: I think will help so welcome today yes thank you I I just wanted to sort of give a little history about (laughs) your brother about Todd he's 31 he um, graduated from St. Francis de Sales he went to Ohio State University and he was an army vet
2: correct Yep.
0: smart dude too
2: very smart
0: I think the first thing I wanted to ask you does the way that he died make it harder Um, for you to process and heal versus, I don't know, a million other ways. Yeah,
2: oh for sure. Because, um, you know, he did this to himself. He did not want to be here any longer. So death and grief in itself is hard to adjust to. Um, But I think it takes it to a whole new level when now you're a suicide survivor and you have so many questions. You don't understand how they could do this to your family. I have three nieces he was very close to. It's definitely totally different then like your grandfather passing even a closer family member takes it to a whole new level
1: Oh, sure. So there was a history here of Todd. Uh, this wasn't just a, a moment where, you know, something bad happened and he made a snap decision. Can you kind of talk about your journey with Todd, even, you know, even before when you guys were kids? Cause I know you were extremely close.
2: Mm-hmm. Very close. Yeah. He's my only sibling. So my little brother did everything together. We had a great childhood. My mom and dad were in our lives. Great Italian family. He started in middle school with just a little bit of like bullying that I think had a lot to do with just some traumatic. Events, a little bit of anxiety, but that at that point in life, I don't think back in our time that many of the doctors knew the signs or treated anxiety the way they do now and have the knowledge. So I think it started, you know, closer to high school. Definitely after he graduated from Ohio State in 2007, he hit a wall of just severe depression and he actually attempted suicide in 2007. And um, his girlfriend found him. My parents were out of the country and I was the first one there in the emergency room. So, you know, graphic scene, never in life thought that 11 years later that I would be seeing the same thing because we had gone through so much therapy with him he was inpatient in the hospital various medications he struggled with finding a medication to work but he still was the Todd that everyone knew this chill guy very smart he always wanted to help someone very involved in Vineyard Church and the VA and the Army Vets he even one time helped a deer on the side of the road when he was jogging well
1: to come back for a second so he graduated from Ohio State mm-hmm. and then he enters the Army? Uh, what's yeah, that he time?
2: graduated from Ohio State and then had the severe depression and... Got through it after the suicide attempt and um, decided, you know, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to go to the Army. I need a change. So he was um, granted secret service in the Army. He was an intelligence analyst. So he had the top security clearance. Got honorable discharge. My dad had cancer. So he was there two years and came back. Was granted a VA scholarship to go Ohio Wesleyan for geographical information systems. Graduated there on the dean's list.
1: So you're thinking through all this like, he's battling. okay. Okay. So he is battling like you, you are still seeing signs of
2: not severe, but my, our family knew, you know, there are times when he'd go up and down, almost like a seasonal depression. You know, like you just see events happen, like a breakup with a girlfriend where then maybe he'd start drinking more or, you know, he would smoke and then he'd not smoke trying to quit and it would affect his mood. So he was just always searching for that perfect. And he would always try to find a comparison to where he should be in life. He always wanted to do better and better and better.
1: So were there like kind of two tods um, to you or no?
2: Not to everyone else, but as a family and those close to him, we knew he struggled with anxiety. Like he would joke about it.
1: But he had this like he was wildly successful in his exactly. career and anything he would kind of put his mind to. Yep, but then there was this battle going on that you got that only kind of you guys knew. What yeah, was. Yeah, like. And
2: I think it goes back to like that stigma. He's a, you know, a male that's supposed to be a strong figure, have a good job, be an example to my nieces, you know, just in instilling in them good traits through life, that you know, soccer games, basketball. these are your daughters, his nieces. Yeah, yeah my okay. three daughters.
0: Amy, leading up to that day in March, was there anything did he seem particularly down or, or? He got
2: a really good job in, in January. He even said, I want to retire from here. It was in his degree from Ohio Wesleyan. So he'd been there about a month. Started to get stressed out because he started and the lady training him on a maternity leave. So he was kind of thrown in. He liked it, but they sent him out for training um, on the West Coast, came back and he had trouble sleeping. That was the biggest thing. AIM, I can't sleep. He would tell my mom and my dad and I, I just can't sleep. So it led, I think, and it, it like really started to trigger that anxiety and that depression because lack of sleep for anybody without mental health issues, just not good. Also too, like his last year at Ohio Wesleyan, he was on Adderall to help him focus Well, the doctor took him off of that cold turkey, which we've read now that was like the worst thing that you could have done to someone that already has mental health issues. So a lot of combined factors, I think, as well as he just was sick of taking medication. He he didn't want to be on a medicine all the time. So we would try to tell him, you know, it's chemical imbalance in your brain. You don't have to be, you know, ashamed of that. It's the same as like our father has cancer. He has to take medicine or go get chemo. You know, a lot of people don't treat conditions from the head up it's all the head down so he just really I think battled that stigma and didn't want to be vulnerable and have someone you know think he was weak or he couldn't live the life that everybody else's age was living yeah
1: so from 2007 to now was that the only time he had attempted or did he try again
2: no well after 2007 when he was in the hospital the group therapy which is another reason why we need a lot more medical knowledge and just focus and research the group therapy other people were telling him how to kill himself again so he did he tried to
1: so the people in the group
2: they tried to take pills and he did that once he was home so luckily that wasn't as extreme but it just really helps you see that the research just needs to keep going with our doctors and and healthcare to see you know what inside the brain is, is doing this how we can help these people.
1: So you can say what you want to or what you don't, but in March, you know, can you kind of talk about, was there a dramatic downturn? Was there a, you know, what happened?
2: So um, my mom was really worried about him and I'm like, you know, he'll he'll push through. He's okay. You know, I really did not think he would ever, after 11 years, try to do anything. So I texted him and I said, you know, is it the same or is it worse on March 18th? He said, it's the same, if not worse. I get these rushes of panic and doom, extreme fear. I can't function. I get frozen. I can't recall things. Speak complete thoughts. He said his mind just ruminates over suicidal ideolations because it wants peace. It makes me want to cry because I think it could stop. And he even says this is so gross because who thinks like this? Like, he was embarrassed. These
1: these are the text messages. You're reading his text messages he sent you on. Okay.
2: So I said, you know, he was a Christian and he said, God doesn't love me anymore. He would literally not put me through this much suffering. I can't sleep. He said, from two to six, I lose my mind. I beg him to change things. There's a voice in my head taunting me, laughing at me. He says, I feel so strapped and alone because I'm this smiling, chill dude with everything going for him. And I'm walking around absolutely miserable and exhausted. And that was the 18th. And I tried to work with him in those next couple of days to go to the VA and get checked in. Just, I said, I'll go with you. And then that Friday, we didn't hear from him. Saturday morning comes along. He was still in his work clothes from Friday. People at work said he left perfectly fine. I'll see you on Monday. I'm going to my niece's basketball tournament out here in Newark tomorrow. He was really excited. So something happened when he left work. Five o'clock on Friday, on the way home. That we'll never know.
0: Wow. If there was something you could have said at that time or, or even now for that matter, I mean, what would you say? I don't know. Is there anything you can say? But
2: Yeah, that's gone through my head a thousand times because some people are like, we never saw the signs. Well, it's it's messed up because like our family saw the signs and we were trying to help him and it still wasn't good enough. Yeah. But that's the hard part. I just constantly would just reinforce the fact that I was there. You know, like your nieces need you. My boyfriend, Quentin, like they were they were always playing basketball, playing the video game you know doing something to tease each other i would try to reinforce to him you know how much good he has done in the world in our city but it's like they're in a tunnel vision you cannot get through to them and that's what i've been trained through some programs i've i've been in they're in like a tunnel vision and they're not thinking like that they're not thinking you know the after effects of this So, I I honestly just wonder like when he did it, like, was it an accident? Like, was he trying? Did he do it just to see if he could do it? And then it did it? Like, were you scared? Those type of things. I think more about him actually committing the suicide than what was going through his head on the way home when he purchased the gun that same day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to understand the frame of mind someone is in this tunnel vision I've heard before it's got to be that way because like you said you talked to him about it you guys didn't run from it you didn't hide from it Yeah. you didn't have any problem saying things to him right that you know if he and he it sounds like based on his text messages you just read he didn't have a problem expressing himself to you
2: yeah we were very close where he could tell me things like that like he would never tell my dad that but my mom and I I think it was a pride thing again with my dad being a strong figure throughout our life, he did not want him to think of him as weak. And my dad, you know, it's a sigma to our, our older generations. They don't understand mental health now. They they just think even myself, I work in, in medical claims and a lot of people just think it's a cop out. Like, oh, you're lazy, you know, you're not depressed. You're you know, you're you're just trying to make an excuse. Yeah. It is serious and, and I see that daily with claims that I manage. There's just judgment on anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress that people should just get over it. Go to work. You don't need to miss work because you're having a panic attack. So I think he always tried to push through that and was exhausted. I mean, that's exhausting.
1: What was it like after the funeral and after everybody and, you, you know, you people bring over food or whatever and it's just you and your mom and everything. What is what has been that journey like for you guys and what are, you know, what have you done to try to cope with it and get through it?
2: So support from our family has been tremendous. My mom and dad and I are very close, even closer now. My mom and I attended a 10-week support group through Frank Clowney Loss. Um, it was the most helpful thing for anyone that's struggling with this. It's a nonprofit organization for just specific deaths regarding suicide. So we had a group of about 12 people, and every person in that group lost a male figure to suicide. So that was just like eye-opening to us. Each week that helped us to just cry, to talk, to have other people in the same scenarios understand. And we've actually, you know, formed a really nice bond with these people in a, in a crazy way as it is. You know, exercise helps me a lot. Just just getting out and running or, you know, with my kids with soccer. Todd loved the soccer field. He was always out there with the girls and I want them to remember the good in him. I don't want them to remember the word suicide.
0: How did you explain his death to your girls?
2: Very. It was very hard. Like I have a four-year-old, so she was, she's the one that's asked the most questions and we, we really just were honest in saying uncle's head hurt. He had a lot of boo-boos in his head and his heart stopped because his head just couldn't keep going. Um, Now my older two, they're 10 and 12. They haven't really asked too many questions, but they too eventually here are going to probably get into a little bit of just counseling to talk more about it. Mm -hmm. But they do know that he killed himself. They don't know the details because when I... Did you I-
0: feel it was important that they kn- they knew how it happened? Yeah, I didn't Because I mean, wanna- you could have just said you know, something yeah. happened. And- I didn't
2: want to lie but I got the phone call from my dad and you know, the, his voice I will constantly hear in my head, Amy your brother's dead. He killed himself. I dropped to the floor and I was, their dad was working overtime that day so I was raw form, fell to the floor and I said, what do you mean he killed himself? So they heard all of this. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's been a journey just to try to explain to them what suicide is without giving too many graphic details I think at some point in life they're gonna you know need the answers to those questions but we attended a walk the out of the darkness walk at alum Creek and it was helpful to have them there and just seeing the positive to help the community and the research that they do and there was a lot of other people like me like your mom that's gonna cry sometimes and not hiding that from them because there's children that maybe they could see in their class that that are struggling that might need that just kind word from one of them to say, hey, are you okay? How can I help you? And that's what's been taught to me. A lot of people ask what's wrong with you? And it's more of a question they've, they've taught us to ask, what has happened? How can I help you? So, like, switch it up a little bit, so they don't feel like something is wrong with them.
1: Yeah. So, when you have your ups and downs, and when you have your bad days, what do you do to get through those days? For for people who you know may have lost someone, or maybe going through this, or just starting to go through it, uh, since this unfortunately happens on a daily basis. Yeah. And they're just starting out on this journey. Can you talk about some of the things that that you do to push yourself through?
2: Yeah. I mean, even daily at work. So I work in HR and managing associates that, that call me to say, hey, I have a I have a claim I need to set up. I, I attempted suicide. So getting them the correct information through like our EAP program, helping them with the crisis hotline, which is there 24-7, just making sure that they have support and have resources. There's so many in our community here in, in Columbus. But I think the biggest thing is having them know that you're there to talk to them and not judging them. For me, it's been hard. Um, I took two weeks off of work and then came right back and being in the medical field you're going to see it a lot and I see a lot of claims. We had someone I think it was a month after I came back her husband killed himself. She found him tried to save him and then he passed away at the hospital. So I referred her on to the group that helped me Franklin County Loss and it's just talking about it. We have a wellness committee at work where I've tried to really incorporate last month was mental or suicide awareness month. So we did a lot of things for that. Just letting people know what is depression what is anxiety what's the difference of bipolar disorder and how employers can accommodate that in the workplace as well because it's not always going to be a visible sign something's wrong with you like a cast or a broken bone so my passion now is to really just work on things like that things like today to help someone else so that they do not have to be a survivor. I always thought a survivor was someone who attempted suicide and survived, but I've learned now, a survivor is someone who a family member, someone close, passed away.
1: The last thing I I wanted to talk to you about. If you don't want to talk about this, it's fine. But when we were talking off air, you talked about the walk that you went through, and you talked about how even there, you were there for Todd, but you felt like you were there for someone else. Like you just you had trouble kind of connecting to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we even had shirts with his picture on it. And I just driving up to Elm Creek, I'm like, we're here for him? It doesn't even seem real. Still now, almost seven months later, I go to text him. I look to my back door to see him coming up with a goofy face and like banging on the door. Songs make me think of him so much. So I know he's close to me. I'm a Christian. He was a Christian. But it, it's just, it's surreal how quick and how precious life is. And Some days it it really, you have to remember he's not there. Like when I take a picture of the girls, I would usually text him a picture and... He was my motivator. He was one of my biggest supporters when I was struggling. Sure. So just just imagine how much he was pushing through, but he still could help me or help other people. It was amazing to me.
1: It's just a reminder to how kind of twisted things can get that, you know, you had all that and him motivating you in a successful career and w- look put together all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him at the soccer field showing up in like a crew outfit <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. that was cool like the kids love that and he yeah. knew enough to know that the kids would love that so he did it like so it just
0: highlights to me how twisted it, this can all get
2: mm-hmm. everybody can, can be fighting a battle that you don't know
0: right you never know what's going on in somebody's head and regardless of how successful they might seem or, or whatever you just never know yeah you can find the groups that Amy referenced today
2: you can always text you you can text for hope to 741741 so there's always resources when you're maybe in that manic state or just need someone to talk to, a neutral party, just get online, get on your phone. You are needed here. And, you know, hopefully in the future, the goal, you know, I just really want to see some more research. The AFSP who held the walk, they they do so much. Um, they raise tons of money. And, and
1: this is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention?
2: Yeah. okay, AFSP.org. So... Um, it was amazing to see what they were doing at Alum Creek.
0: Well before we get out of here I just found some um, statistics on suicide and so I just wanted to share them with you so in Ohio suicide is actually the 11th leading cause of death and on average one person dies by suicide every five hours in the state and more than twice as many people die by suicide in Ohio than do by homicide and our state actually ranks 31st in the nation and And I never really knew this until I did research for this. Suicide is actually the 10th leading cause of death in the country. And there's actually twice as many suicides in the country than there are homicides. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mental health has become a real problem. Yeah. Amy, mean, I just if you had any advice for family members who have a family member who might be suffering from suicidal thoughts, what's your advice to those family members? Because I'm sure a lot of people were in the same position that, that you were in and they don't. It's, what do you do? You know, other than. I yeah, guess no. try to
2: it's hard too if they're over 18 because you know you can't force, force anybody
0: to do anything yeah. yeah
2: the biggest thing is support checking on them texting them calling them if they say they're tired and they don't want to go anywhere maybe you know try to help them to get out of the house a change in scenery a big thing that helps boost your mood is working out my brother really liked yoga or just going to the gym and swimming In one of his journals it even said just keep swimming Todd just keep swimming like he was pushing you know to, to do better and get through it so I think it's not only possibly you know medication can help but the therapy side of it so the counseling the psychologist that's huge again because it's not what's wrong with you what happened to you what is making you feel this way but just being that support person and not giving up because it is exhausting I mean there was a point where my dad was like I just don't know what to do and I'm like just be there just be keep being yeah.
0: there for
1: him. Yeah. Wow. Well, Amy, thank you yeah. for being candid. And yeah. I know it was an emotional thing, but just knowing a little bit of your journey, I think it's amazing that you even are here today. I think this would have knocked a lot of people and does knock a lot of people completely down. And they just can't ever bring themselves to talk about it. But I think every conversation you have out loud about it, it helped. is a
0: step. Yeah. So thank you for being yeah. there.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And I hope it helps someone.
0: All right. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the other side podcast don't forget we love to hear from our listeners so check us out on our facebook page at facebook.com slash group slash the other side podcast and don't forget to hit us up on twitter at the other side underscore pod and uh, there you'll find a bunch of old episodes and photos and videos and uh, much more so until the next time try to see things from the other side thanks